Idleman Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people The priests who sing your praise Hello, my name is Shane Idleman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Idleman Unplugged. It's a special edition because what we're doing, we're taking the Facebook Live video and we are formatting it here on this podcast where I answer a lot of questions that came in from politics and end time scenarios and women pastors and can you lose your salvation and the Trinity and on and on and on it went. So it's about 45 minutes long, but we want to take some time and share this incredible um live video with you because it was encouraging and uplifting for so many people online and um, they encourage us to also share it on other media platforms. So this is a special episode of Idleman Unplugged where we are taking the Facebook live video and then airing it here on this program. Hey everyone, we're going to try this one more time. Uh, at some point I'm going to get the microphone hooked up and a, a camera and be able to go live more often and answer some of your questions. Uh, but I'm on the Facebook Live now, and I want to see if any questions come in. You can write a comment in there. I'll actually, write a question in your comment, and I'll try to answer it. I'm a little bit casual today. It's Monday, normally my day off. Uh, and a lot of people um, were wondering about you know the message I gave Sunday. I want to encourage you to check that out if you haven't already when we post it. A lot of incredible feedback, but also I got a little political. Uh, and people are asking, well, I thought we're not supposed to get political separation of church and state or, you know, Jesus never got really political. So maybe I can open with that and then you can put in any questions you might have in the comments. I'll try to get to it. But, you know, we have to realize I like what Jim Garlow said, and um, I'm quoting him from last week, that politics matters because policy matters and policies matter because people matter. So although the president or policies are not the answer, people say politics isn't the answer and the election isn't the answer. I I got it. That's not the answer, but it's the outflow of the answer. So in other words, once the gospel changed my heart, changes your heart, we want to make a difference. We want to be the salt and the light. And who said the pulpit isn't supposed to talk about controversial issues? The last I checked, uh, all the Old Testament prophets addressed controversial issues. So, um, but granted, we don't want to be political all the time. And, but if it's, if it's according to God's word and we can open up, um, uh, open up about these issues. And I think it's important to talk about issues, especially what's going on here in California. And to the question, um, again, if you're just coming on, you can put your um, question in the comments and I'll try to uh, get to it here in just a minute. I want to do this more often, kind of interact with people. I know we used to uh, uh, go on and and let us know if you need a prayer request and we'd have people praying with you, but everything started to just grow after COVID and it got harder and harder to stay on top of that. So Jesus in Rome, we have to remember a couple things. No, he wasn't a political movement. He was a spiritual influence. And that spiritual influence, if you go back and study history, did have uh, uh, enormous consequences on the political upheaval uh, that valuing women and caring for others and things like that. So it did re it did upset the whole political system. However, you have to remember that we were not um, under the uh 
back in Jesus's day, they were under Caesar. What Caesar said, that was it. End of story. No republic, no democracy. I mean, you really, you really couldn't do too much other than revolt or like Jesus did, you teach and you change your heart. But now in America, we've been given, at least for now, this wonderful gift from God that where we can actually elect people in positions of leadership, this gift, that's why it's a citizen's responsibility. Now, granted, the system is, you know, if it's rigged or, you know, the lesser of two evils, you know, I understand all that. But to say, to compare us with Jesus's day in Rome and say, Jesus never talked about politics, I would, I would really challenge that because uh, he, 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 he uh, transformed the whole area there. And of course, the world that spread out. And even though he wasn't political, he was spiritual and that had political ramifications. So, my point is, we can make a difference here. We're supposed to vote and put people in positions of, 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 of office here that can govern according to God's word. And so we do have that mandate, I believe. And that's why it's different. We can't compare us with Rome. So anyway, if you have any questions or thoughts, uh, put in the comments section here. and I'll try to answer those. Another one that came in was on this whole topic of uh, women pastors. And I've talked about that before. You can find it on my podcast. Uh, but we believe that women should serve in all areas uh, of, le- of of church growth and, and church expansion and children's ministry, women's ministry, their giftings, all kinds of giftings, but when it comes to usurping the authority of the man, when it comes to being that lead senior pastor, and then the man sits underneath that uh, accountability, that's, in other words, it's role reversal. So obviously I know of women pastors, uh, we've got women pastors, uh, not us, but we know them on the mission field and, and God works in our imperfections. We don't do things perfectly, but, but that's why we teach and believe that, that women in that position of senior lead pastor, when they're usurping the authority over the man, it just, it's not how God designed it. We complement each other versus uh, equal in all areas. We're equal spiritually, equal as human beings. But when it comes to, you know, I can't have a baby. I, I was designed differently. So complementarianism. And then also uh, we see that with this issue of women pastors in the Bible, there's no uh, qualifications uh, for an elder. So Tim Ackerson, I see you watching. Any questions you can put in the comment section. Ruth, I see you watching. Bernard, I see you watching. Uh, put any questions in the comments. Uh, Cheryl watching. Donald, De- Dennis, uh, Clint keeps going on and on and on. Put your, put your questions in the comments and I'll try to get to those. But the Bible doesn't have any type of qualifications for a woman pastor. Uh, and that word pastor is bishop, overseer, elder. There's just no qualification. So it's not male sh- chauvinism and male domination. It's just, hey, what does the Bible say? If the Bible said it, I'd be, I'd be their biggest fan. Uh, and so, you know, again, you can read my article on that at shaneidleman.com. It's spell it out in the article. I've got a podcast on my YouTube channel. Uh, maybe I'll try to put the YouTube channel here. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, I'll try to put the YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, so you can find the podcast on all these topics, women politics and women, women politics, women as pastor and politics. Uh, should we be saying anything? And when do we say something? When do we say nothing? And so anyway, I'm going to share that right now in the comment section. 
And now you can find the YouTube channel that answers a lot of these questions about revival. I'm uploading two new podcasts this week on uh, conspiracy theories. How do we navigate? How do we navigate these conspiracy theory water? So it's going to be a very brief, brief, brief podcast on that. Also, I'm going to do something for, oh, you got a picture there in the comment section of uh, we're up camping in the mountains and that was back when my daughter was was pretty small. So anyway, if you have questions in here, put them in the comments. If you're just now coming on board here, um, and something interesting happened uh, Sunday. We had a powerful morning of worship, six in the morning till eight in the morning. Just worship on loud on the speakers. The altar's full. We opened the prayer room, and then we had a, a large group of people. I'd say eighty people coming into the prayer room uh, for prayer and just the power of God, the presence of God, and unity. Even in California, we're in California. We're in Southern California, uh, North Los Angeles County. And so we do lovingly challenge a lot of what's going on in our school districts uh, and in our <clears throat> law enforcement and uh, just out of a heart of love and wanting to make a difference. So I'm going to have a little bit of water here. So another question that came in, again, if you're just coming in, put your question in the comment section. Um, somebody was asking about, you know, my thought on, on, you know, with what's really going on with Ukraine, because there's a lot of different um, scenarios out there. You know, one pastor, a large church in Texas. Uh, oh, thank you, Della, Della Bennett. Um, appreciate you as well. I mean, we wouldn't, we, I wouldn't be doing what we're doing without you uh, following us and, and encouraging us, supporting us. But we have to be careful because the meeting I was at in Texas, um, some of those people are close to, you know, the administration, our, our last administration. And uh, we can't believe everything that is posted on Facebook Live, even though I'm going Facebook Live. Check what I'm saying against the word of God. TikTok, YouTube. Oh, look what they said. You, this, it, there's really not a war going on in Ukraine. That's what this pastor said. And, and it's really a conspiracy theory. Trump and Biden, or Trump and Biden, Trump and Putin are working together behind the scenes to end sex trafficking. I can pretty much assure you that's not the case. So we have to be careful that we don't buy into a lot of these conspiracy theories uh, because it gets us off track, off focus. We want to debate it. We want to argue it. And we just completely, it throws our whole mood off, quenches and grieves the spirit. So my thought is, you know, obviously uh, we need to pray for those people. And uh, I, I was kind of saddened because people would say, oh, Ukraine is corrupt. And yeah, any nation is corrupt. Even our nation is corrupt. But what about the, the incredible pastors there? I saw um, in Texas, I saw a group of, of a picture of 30 or about 25 family members and missionaries there in Ukraine leading people to the Lord. And we see the churches being bombed. Some of them, we see people being killed and slaughtered and innocent children. I mean, our hearts should break for that. I think Putin is very destructive very evil. And, uh, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on, but I, I would just encourage you just stay in God's word, look to his, his, look to his word, allow the Holy spirit to teach you and guide you and don't get caught up. I mean, this is coming from somebody who sent, I don't know, two or three videos a day sometimes. Uh, so maybe 10 videos a week on, you know, look at this about the vaccine and how it's affecting the DNA and Bill Gates and the cabal and the new world order and the globalist agenda and the great reset and the Illuminati. And it's like, you know, I, I sat back this week and said, OK, let's say let's say some of that is true. What does that change? I'm still leading the church. I'm still leading my family. I know evil is out to get us. 
you know, why concentrate on all those things? Maybe it's because we want to know. We want to know how it's all going going to unfold. Uh, oh, hey, Cindy Burns, Linda, just logged on, Susan, Janice, uh, Eva. If you guys have questions, uh, maybe you are putting questions. I just can't see them here in the um, uh, in the comment section. Any question about any topic? Uh, something else that came up, somebody was asking me about, is this whole idea of, let me see if I can remember the exact wording on um, – uh, not conspiracy theories. Uh, oh, but what I what I think is going to go on um, with the election um, that's coming up. Obviously, 2022 is pretty pretty going to be pretty big with the Senate and Congress. And I think we should be involved to some degree and know what's going on. It's amazing. When I was in Texas, I didn't realize that Beto Rourke, I think that's his name. He's got a close margin. I mean, seven percent margin or so. I mean, that's not very big. And it's because of the the flood of the illegal immigration into our country. Now I just remember the next question. Uh, thank you for reminding me as well. Uh, somebody texted me that the um, shouldn't we be loving Shane about the illegal immigration and and why why are we saying anything? We're just supposed to love and welcome the sojourner. And see, here's the thing: that is that's my heart. You know, that's that's your heart. That's a Christian's heart. Hey, we welcome these people, and I I do help those people quite often, uh, and I'm going to continue to. And we love people, but the government. See, you're confusing. The government has a different role from God than the church. So the church, hey, David McGuire, how's it going? Good to hear from you. Um, the, the, um, the government has a different role. And Rachel, I see you logging on, Doran. If you guys have questions, let me know. Um, the, the government is supposed to administer justice and protect the people. That's their role. So they can, the government can build a border, can secure it for her people. That's <laughs> Jesus's teachings, turning the other cheek, loving your enemy. That doesn't apply to government. The government is to be God's tear to those who do evil. And so we can't apply, well, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Why, why are we going to build a wall? And because that's that's the role of government is to protect us. It's like you as a father or as a mother, you're going to lock up your house. You're going to close the windows. You're not going to say, hey, anybody off the street can come right into my house. It's going to be open. Eat whatever food you want. We're just supposed to walk. No, no. You have to use wisdom and discernment. You have to secure. You have to protect your family. And so that's why there's different roles. And I just kind of makes me a little irritated when people apply Jesus's teaching to the government. The government's actually not supposed to help the poor. It'd be nice if they could. And I think we have to have uh, different, you know, tax breaks and housing if we can, for sure. But, but the church is to do that. Then we can discern what is legitimate. Who are we enabling? Who can really work? Who can't? And so we've got it all convoluted. And, um, I believe in this immigration issue that there's a lot of, of drug trafficking coming in, fentanyl, very dangerous stuff, the cartels, the trafficking. It's all, it's all legitimate. It's not conspiracy theory. It's, it's true. I took a tour of the border with Jack Hibbs and a couple of the pastors. I don't know how many that was probably. Boy, when was that? I don't know if it was before COVID or I think so. And talking to the federal agents, talking to how things and there's a lot of sneaky stuff going on. So you have to secure it. And then um, maybe there's a better vetting process quicker to become a citizen. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure exactly what that looks like. I'm not in that area of government, but, but we've got to be able to, to help those who need help. But at the same time, you know, guard and restrain evil. So hello, Tracy Backus. Don Prince, um, do you guys have any questions as well? Let me answer another one. Just type it in the in the comment section. 
Let me fin- uh, answer another one that that comes up quite often. Um, oh boy, no! Unfortunately, Democrats no borders equal votes. Uh, from Tony, uh, what he's talking about there is right, and that's why Texas. I forgot to correct that or uh, elaborate more. Texas is um, they're allowing all that illegal immigration. So they're, if they're going to allow those people to vote, as those people vote, they obviously vote for the party that they feel is helping them when really the party's using them. And so that illegal immigration is going to push up the vote. See, all this is, is sneaky. It's not God honoring. I'm hoping, I'm hoping God's going to reveal a lot as the months and years go on. Uh, but that's exactly what's happening. David McGuire, uh, let's see. I have a th- and I hope, I'm hoping you guys are going to be nice because not all 24,000 people on face, my Facebook page like me. So we'll, we'll just be careful here. Uh, not saying about David. I just mean in general. Uh, and some things I don't if I don't have answers to. I'm probably not going to answer it. I'll just say I'm not, I'm not sure on that. In the Old Testament, God gave commandments where he basically says that they are forever for Israel, yet clearly with no temple, they can't. What scriptures would tell us that they are not forever? Well, a couple thoughts. Um, and again, when great men of God are divided, um, I'm, I don't, I hold my opinion a little bit loosely, especially on this, especially on this es- uh, issue of eschatology. You can actually Google, look up like Dr. Michael Brown, and then also, um, pastor theologian, Sam Storm, you can get that. And then Amir Safarte, which is with Jack Hibbs. And so there's different views on that. And that's, that's, what's challenging is because Ezekiel, for example, uh, was writing to his contemporaries, a lot of contemporary prophetic words going on, but then he's speaking to the future as well. Is Magog and Gog still coming up? And and I have questions on the rebuilt temple. I mean, bringing back sacrifices, that seems like a good thing. But to me, it's not a good thing because we have the final sacrifice and, and how that's all going to unfold. So basically, David, I just, I don't know on a lot of those things and I don't want to uh, take a hardline stance because I remember how Lindsay writing about the late great planet earth and, and how, you know, we're, the, we're in the last generation. And, uh, and then I had, there's different amillennial, premillennial, postmillennial. I'm hoping to teach on it, but it's so much, it's, it's exhausting to study for all that. And then there's not clear cut teachings on it. I mean, it's, uh, the Bible's not clear cut. We have to kind of put all this together. So that's a great point. Um, what scriptures would tell us that they are forever? The promises and what you're, he might be talking about covenant theology there, uh, David, covenant theology um, and replacement theology. And some believe that the church has completely replaced Israel. However, we do see that we are grafted in. But I still see that God has a plan for Israel and also a plan for the church and how that's all going to work out. You know, I, I just I just don't know fully how it is. Uh, let's see. Let's see, uh, Ronald, good to hear from you as well. So if you guys like this, I'll try to go on live a little bit more. We've got, uh, we've got some, a system, sound system set up where we're going to be able to go, uh, and podcast, uh, hopefully here shortly. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. David McGuire just interviewed Dr. Michael Brown today. Um, Awesome. I don't know if he's my colleague. I mean, I know him. He's a friend of mine. Jim Gardo's a friend of mine and uh, Jack Hibbs, Rob McCoy. And I try to try to balance it out. And I'm not name dropping. I hope you pe- people don't think that these are just people that I look toward to help mentor me because I'm younger than them. Um, and I know he's, he's, he's solid. A lot of people just don't like uh, because of his experience with the Brownsville revival. And, and I've read books on that. I've read testimonies on that. And you read some videos that are just weird. Maybe there's questions on that and some that are spot on. And I know 
boy, maybe I'll wait on that. But we had God just break out when we had rent the heavens a couple of times and we had a demonic man just manifesting and, and deliverance taking place at the altar. And if somebody videoed that, whoo, that wouldn't look too, I mean, that would, cause it's out of context, you see. And so I'm just careful on that. Um, Tony, what are your thoughts about some Christians in our church voting Democrat? And my issue is on abortion. You know, that's, that's interesting, um, because, especially like in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, let's say Andy Stanley, for example, a lot of Democrats in there. Uh, I do have black pastor friends. Um, I've never struggled with racism. I love, I love the black community. Uh, just have really good friends, um, in all, you know, Hispanic, uh, uh, Asian and black. And so praise God, that was really never had a struggle in that area. But to answer your question, here's why I'm careful. You know, I, I've got some videos out there. It's, it's, it's hard to be a Christian and vote Democrat. I mean, that's the bottom line. So what, what we have to remember though, is bring in grace, understanding, try to see where they're coming from. And so you you put on their lens, right? You put on the, the Democrat lens, the Democrat Christian, and they're actually buying into a false narrative. Uh, they didn't, they don't know the Republican party was against slavery and the Democratic party was for slavery. The KKK were, we're Democrat. And then around the 1950s, 60s, it started to switch and the Democrat Party became to be more focused on helping black America and, and black Americans. And so a shift took place. And so they'll look at it as, hey, this party is going to help my people more, which isn't true because, I mean, we could just go over statistics, over statistics from BLM and, and Black Lives Matter and the and, uh, the the black babies that are killed in the womb and black kids being shot in Chicago. They don't say anything about it. Black policemen are killed. So it's an agenda. It's a very wicked organization. Yes, I said it on Facebook Live. Hope they don't ban me. Uh, but so, um, you know, I, I don't have too many Christian, I mean, too many Democrats in our church. The reason is we would, we were, we're fine with it. We would, we were not against that at all. I mean, people have different opinions. Uh, but when you preach the truth and you speak about abortion, you speak about policies from a biblical perspective, I think it's hard for a lot of uh, Democrats to, to stay in that kind of church. So it's not that we're a Republican only or independent or, or nothing. Uh, we just, when you preach the truth and when you're convicting, we talk about political issues, that party really doesn't like to hear those things. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how, how you can be a Christian and look at the Democrat Party platform and vote for that. Now, you could say, I just talked to a man in our congregation, you know, doesn't vote at all. Trump is evil. Uh, Democrat c- candidates are evil. I'm not voting for anyone. So I broke down, you know, how Supreme Court justices and the school districts and Ma- Mike Pompeo, Ben Carson and, and how he his policies and things like that. But, you know, you got to allow people that freedom. Uh, so I don't know. You know, I don't know how they, they do that. Uh, I think another question disappeared. Um, yes, Melissa, uh, Facebook, if you can send us a message, we'd love to pray for you. Maybe I can get someone to even call you on the phone and we will lift him up for sure. We, we believe in the power of prayer. We can even agree right now that, uh, with Melissa Williams, husband, that, that, that Chris, that Chris would be convicted Lord, just convict Chris, even this week, have him be open up to the work of your spirit, Lord, and hear a, a testimony, a praise report of him coming to know you. And, uh, but again, if you want to email us, Melissa, we'd love to just pray for him. Uh, Scott, can you speak on the Trinity and those that believe in oneness? Um, again, 
um, don't have time to look up scripture and different things. I'm just going off memory and what I've learned over the last couple decades. But oneness, what he's talking about with oneness is they call it oneness Pentecostalism and um, different modes of God. So when Jesus was being baptized, it was all God right there in the in the river. So when it says the Father spoke, it's kind of like Jesus was a ventriloquist and Really, there, God really wasn't in heaven. The spirit really didn't descend upon a dove. So <clears throat> now I don't embrace oneness, Pentecostalism or oneness. I, I think it's it can be dangerous and we would, could get into some reasons why. Number one, the Bible doesn't teach it. But and then you, there's a slippery slope. Then you try you know, and baptize in Jesus name only. And and but here's to 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 the credit of the oneness, Pentecostalisms or oneness in general, to their credit. <clears throat> they're they're concerned that they are worshiping three gods. And so that's why they say it's one oneness, Jesus only. And, the, the, you know, when he was on the cross, that the father was on the cross, the spirit was on the cross. Mm, I, we just don't see that. The Bible is crystal clear. So you don't have to worry about worshiping one gods because the Bible is clear. But God says here, O Israel, the Lord, your God is one, one God. And then he reveals himself as father in creation. He has son in redemption. The Holy Spirit is regenerating. And the oneness will actually kind of use that language sometimes. But that's true. We have, we see three distinct persons of the Godhead, even though they're not people like we think, even in Genesis, let us make man in our image that is Elohim. And it's the plural nature of God. And so you see God is revealing himself as father, son, Holy Spirit. The father spoke, the son was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended. And you see perfect unity there of the, the, the Trinity. And so it's a mystery, Paul said, it's hard to explain. You know, I've heard people say like, I'm my, my wife's husband. And I'm my kid's father and I'm my mom's son. So I'm one operating in three different roles, but that might support more of oneness. Um, so I hope, I hope that helps. I, I, we can't embrace oneness because the Bible teaches that God is one, yet he reveals himself in three persons of the Godhead. That's probably the best way uh, to explain that. So let's see. Uh, Hiram Withers. Hope I pronounced that right. Haven't seen you in a while. Many years ago, uh, let's see. Let's see, you're from San Diego. Yeah, Tony. Oh, yeah, Tony, that name sounds familiar. Tappy, I believe. Pentecostal oneism seems like another form of Arianism, and it could be. I actually, believe it or not, I do know a oneness. And I think if you follow, like if you follow Marcus Rogers, he's really big, big voice on Facebook. Um, he, he's, he's, he, he's oneness, I believe. And the way he explains it, mm, you know, I mean, that's why they do it. They're not, they're not, in, they're not intentionally trying to be off. They just can't see how there's three different. And I see what they're saying. If you see we're worshiping the son and then we're going to worship the father. And then now we've got the Holy spirit back here and, and, you know, but God says, I'm one, but I reveal myself in these three areas. And, and I, I just try not to go beyond what scripture says, because your head explodes to try to understand. It's like, try to, what do they call it? The high, hypostatic union of Jesus, you know, fully man, fully God. How does that work? And then Jesus, here's a key too, even with, with the Trinity, uh, Jesus said, you know, when, with the final judgment, when God's coming again and things like that, no man knows the hour, not even the son not even Jesus knew the hour. So does that mean in his humanity, he didn't know the hour there on earth? 
but obviously he knows now in heaven sitting at the right hand of God. And, and so even he made that distinction. So I just, I just know that there's one God revealing himself in these three different areas. Uh, let's see if I missed one, you might want to repost it. Uh, let's see. Trinity, uh, let's see. Replacement theology. I do not hold to replacement theology is just something I'm looking into. Oh yeah. I didn't, I didn't think you did. Uh, I'm just saying others do. And it, I mean, both sides, if you look at, you know, like Sam storm, he's got a big thick book on all millennialism and kingdom come. I mean, solid guy believes in the gifts of the spirit, great teaching. And you, you have him explain, um, you know, replacement theology of the scriptures, how Israel didn't fulfill her covenant promises to God and God removed them and then brought in the church and we've been grafted in and now we're going to make Israel jealous. But then even that seems like there's two distinct and separate roles uh, on that. So let's see if I can get one more before I got to go here or two more. Um, let's see, Carol, thank you so much. Feisty sermons. Uh, oh, the bridge in New Jersey. That is great. I just got a letter from them. I, they wanted me to fly out for their, uh, I guess there's a big concert event in New Jersey coming up in the summer, maybe sooner. Um, but couldn't, couldn't make that. Um, and I should probably talk about that. You know, people say, you know, feisty sermons, hard sermons, bold, loud. I mean, whatever the term you want to use is, and God uses us differently. I mean, some of my great pastor friends I look up to are very monotone. You know, they're just, man, solid. Like, I mean, for example, I'm, I'm about an hour from John MacArthur, you know, just, just kind of monotone. Uh, same with, uh, Jack Hibbs and Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel was, was monotone. And so, but sometimes, you know, there's, there's that fire, there's that, this, you know, you just, God has created you this way. And so you preach that way and they preach that way. And so it's not, you know, I'm not trying to be bold and in your face, like some of these, these, these guys and just, you know, I'm concerned for some pastors on Facebook that have, you know, a lot of followers and it's always bombastic, always arrogant, always in your face, always trying to fight, always trying to challenge. And so if you have questions on some of these guys, let me know. I want to be gracious and loving, of course, but you know, I guess on this live feed, I could try to, uh, let's see, Sam Storm is a solid guy. Some beliefs I do disagree with. Yep. Same with me. Uh, not hills to die on. Okay. So, um, but his book, you got to read the whole thing cover to cover. It's like 700 pages, but I can see where they're coming from. I just have a lot of questions, but I have a lot of questions on dispensationalism as well. And when I read the Bible, I see the like the rapture and Christ coming. I, I see those as one event. I have a hard time seeing those. Okay. We go up, you know, now we're up here rejoicing while the, while the Jews are being slaughtered and even believers are being slaughtered because of now, did they come to know the Lord after the rapture? And then John MacArthur got in a lot of trouble for saying, you know, that people can accept Jesus after taking the mark. And you know what he was, I think what he's trying to say is we see that there are saints being killed in that period of tribulation. And obviously did they take the mark? Didn't they, you know, it says that those who take the mark are, 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 are giving allegiance to antichrist. And so could somebody repent after that? I don't know. I wouldn't say that. Um, but I mean, it's not beyond the scope of, of reality. If you look at the scripture, read in context, because Christians believers are being killed during that period, uh, the, the blood of the tribulation saints. And so we go up and we're, we're celebrating while they're all being, you know, it's just, so I don't, I don't really see that. I have a hard time making that connection. Also when I was, you know, I left Calvary chapel, uh, but they would often say, you know, between revelation three and revelation four, you see how, uh, the church 
wasn't in the first three chapters and now they're not. And that means the church is raptured up. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I think that would be eisegesis, you know, speaking something into it or creating an argument from silent silence. Now that's a nice idea maybe, but so my thought is we better be ready for tribulation. I don't want to tell my kids, Hey guys, take it easy. When it gets bad, don't worry. You're out of here. Ah, that's, that doesn't really fit. You know, I mean the, the biblical doctrines and different things. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. Carol comes natural. Um, yeah, it's just a way I think I was created. I have a, <clears throat> I have a deep, you know, I get fired up, you know, when you talk about abortion and murdering children and false doctrine and, and ungodly legislation and, and uh, government officials, just, you know, just, there's a fire. It's, 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 it's a different calling. So God calls us differently. Like that voice. I'm pretty sure John the Baptist wasn't mild and meek and quiet and things like that. I bet he was a little fired up. So anyway, another question, um, my thoughts on the chosen. Uh, well, it, it's the irony is here. You can't please, you can't please anyone. Uh, David, let's see. Uh, okay. It's hard to get to all of them. So anyway, um, <clears throat> with the chosen, you know, you can't, you got this, there's some very critical, critical hearts out there and pulling apart everything. Um, but I actually watched the first episodes about a year and a half ago. I'm like, uh, let's see what this is about. I mean, here's another Jesus movie, you know, and then boy, I really, was captivated by the heart of Christ and, uh, and Matthew, you know, Peter and different things. And here's the thing. They say we took artistic, um, uh, liberties here and we, 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 you know, you got to put this together. We had to add some things here, just like when I'm preaching or anybody preaching, we say, you know what, this could have happened. Nicodemus could have came around two in the morning and, and sat there with Jesus. And then after that could have been really challenged. And, and so we, we add our own thoughts, you know, Bathsheba, uh, you know, the age and how did that work with David there? And, and this is what could have happened. And we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. And so we add what we think, as long as we don't make it scripture, make it truth. But we say, you know, here's what could have happened. Uh, we do that, you know, um, with different areas of the Bible. And so I don't, I think it was, it was well done. I think it was doctrinally sound in many areas that should have been doctrinally sound. A couple couple places I was like, eh, I don't know about that. I probably would have put that in there. I might have probably wouldn't have Matthew have been, what was Matthew art, art, uh, autistic? Um, or, or I'm not sure exactly what it was, but you know, that's possible. Maybe they wanted that, um, that, uh, that type of character to be reflected there. So, uh, anyway, any more questions? I'm going to try to pop on more often. Uh, let's see, uh, my thoughts on, different people. Um, you, you know, people ask, uh, Steve Furnick. <clears throat> I don't really know. I don't, I don't follow. I don't listen to, uh, I think here's my, let me, let me just, you know, kind of throw this out there. Steve Furnick, let's say you've got TD Jakes, uh, the Joel Steen, you know, people are often asking. And the reason I don't know or say much is number one, we don't want to be bashing people all the time, uh, and, and putting them down. If we don't know them, um, you know, we want to be careful. And so, um, God could call some people to be more motivational speakers. So they wouldn't necessarily be a pastor. For example, let's say Joel Osteen, he, if that's more of a motivational speaker versus a pastor. And so versus false prophet, false teacher. But then I have some seen some things that are very discouraging, you know, 
not really being bold about certain things with Mormonism. And, and so I, I just, it's hard for me to comment because I don't know these individuals. You know, what I see, I see the same thing you see and have some concerns. Um, and, you know, like when Andy Stanley said, we need to become unhitched from the Old Testament. Not good. Bad, bad choice of words. And I, I, I hear what he's trying to say, but, you know, it's just, ah, it, I think they're trying to be careful and they are removing some of God's words. So um, I'm going to tell you a funny story. I don't know if I've, I might have told this in a sermon many years ago, but um, when I was first, first came back to the Lord, 1999, 2000, um, I was, um, no, don't judge me for this is I'm just, is telling you what happened. I don't follow the ministry at all in probably the last 15 years, but I was speaking on health and fitness and the Potter's house in Dallas, Texas called me and had me come out and speak to their women about uh, health, fitness, a large, large group of women there in the sanctuary from the same stage you see from TV. Uh, at least I don't know if it's still showing that, but, um, but I went there, you know, armed, like, you know, name it and claim it, the Trinity. And so I, I talked to some of his elders and deacons, like, you guys are, are you, are you name it and claim it? Are you the, the, and they're like, no, your faith must stand trial. You, you go through difficulties. And so, and the Trinity and the oneness, they're like, no, that's not, we believe in the, the Trinity, the fullness of the Trinity. And like I believed. And so hmm, that was interesting. So getting to, to talk to them, you just get a different perspective. Uh, and then believe it or not, um, TD Jakes had me come in his office with my wife and just, you know, hugged us and thanked us so much for helping the women. This is like nine. At 2000, 2002 or three. So watch you heresy hunters or you, you critical hearts. If you're going to use this against me, that's just wrong because it, I'm going back 20 years ago. I don't follow the ministry. I don't endorse the ministry. I was 32 years old, I think 33 and just, uh, they're helping people with the area of health and fitness. And so in other words, my whole point was I saw a different perspective. I was able to ask the questions. I was able to talk to their deacons and, and see how they operate money driven or, uh, but things might've changed, you know, now <clears throat> lately, 20 years later, things, maybe theology is one off court. I don't know. I don't follow that ministry. I know I was very, uh, uh not upset, but, um, well, maybe upset and just, uh, disappointed when they embraced uh, Obama and when they embraced some of these ungodly movements. And so, you know, it, it's difficult. It is challenging. Uh, let's see. Hey, Ray Contreras, uh, greetings from Texas. Uh, and Jose, how do you help people get closer to God and not come across like they're being forced or attacked? Uh, let's see what, mm, well, how do I personally help people get closer to God and not, not come across like they're being forced to come? I, I, well, I'm going to try to, let me see if I can break it down. So normally in what I do in the preaching from the pulpit, you know, it's to a large group of people. And so the Holy Spirit convicts them to draw closer to God. And sometimes often people get upset at that. They're like, you know, you're too pushy. You're, you're, you, you just, you know, you, you tell us to come to morning worship too much, or you talk about fasting too much. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to just get, get, get people closer to God through, through spiritual disciplines. Um, and so, it, but if you're talking to someone on an individual level, you don't want to force it or attack them. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. So I have conversations like this every single week, 52 weeks a year, people in our congregation where I will talk to them and say, you know, I have noticed you haven't been at church much. We don't see you at morning worship. 
And I would just encourage you, you know, you got to get rid of that, that, all that social media and really just begin to follow hard after God again. We even want our staff and our volunteers uh, there at church more, or at least in their own per- personal devotional time at home, in the word more. And so I love you enough to tell you the truth. And then you kind of just leave it there and let the Holy Spirit. But if I'm attacking them, like texting them, hey, did you get the word in today? Or do you, why not? And, and, and see, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And so once you say it, like a lot of times parents say something to their children, they just need to. They just need to back off from that. And so, um, yeah, Jose, I hope that helped. You, I meant you meant how can you? Uh, and hope that helped. Um, that's how you. That's how I would do. I would share with them my heart. Hey, I want you to draw closer to God. Here's what I'm seeing, and here's what happens. Sometimes on these difficult talks, um, not off, often people are not very happy. Uh, I've had difficult talks and it, it ruins relationships, it fractures relationships, speaking the truth in love. But I've had other times where that speaking the truth in love and saying, you know, and they're like, yeah, you're right. I need to get back to that. And it convicts him or they get angry first and defensive and then they get convicted later and they repent and they apologize. And same with me. I have to be challenged sometimes from our elders and, and court team uh, to uh, to just be clo- drawn closer to God. And, and, and uh, Stana, is it Stana? Uh, mentioned God doesn't force. And that's exactly right. You, if, you, if a person's feeling forced to be at morning worship or forced to be at the, the prayer night or forced to be at worship night and you're forcing it, forcing it, pushing it, that's not God. It really, uh, it really doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't help the cause. And Ray, when I'm coming back to Texas, I don't know, believe it or not, I missed California when I was there. I just, I was born here. I love the state. If you guys didn't get a chance to hear Sunday's message, uh, make sure you do when it's posted again. I opened up about um, my past and living here, growing up here and different things. So anyway, I'm going to, is there any more questions? I'm going to try to pop on a little bit more often. Um, Francine, are all sins forgiven? Are all sins forgiven? So I'm assuming uh, that you're talking about, I don't know if you're, if there's a Roman Catholic background, Um, but yeah, we believe that all sins are forgiven at, at the cross. So in other words, if a sinner you know, and what your struggle is might be different than another struggle. Somebody struggles with lust and pornography, another person with alcoholism, another person with jealousy and backbiting, bitterness. One person is a liar. Have you ever met those people? They just, they can't stop lying and liars shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven because it's, it's a reflection of the sin in the heart. Doesn't mean they might not struggle with lying, but it means that that's no longer, that, that, that no longer identifies them. So yes, all sins are forgiven. Once a person believes and repents, they say, Lord, I'm a sinner in, in whatever area. Um, I don't even list. You don't have to list this, this, that just in general, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. I am lost without you. And I, and I need, I need your forgiveness and I repent. God, I embrace the, the wonderful gift of the cross and, and I repent and believe in Jesus Christ and my sins are forgiven. So yes, all sins will be forgiven. Now, that doesn't mean you continue sinning, and that's why a believer must be in a, in a spot of repentance every day, uh, because the repenting of, you know, I, I've, I've been challenged before I get to church. It happens Sunday. You know, I'm there 10, 12 hours, and here come bad moods sometimes, or that people rub you the wrong way. And, you know, it's kind of like walking on eggshells. I can't say you got to be careful. And, and so, you know, you're Lord, I'm sorry that, that, that I got uh, angry and, and inside of me or, or upset and Lord, please help me. And so we're constantly, and we confess our sins to one another if we hurt someone and, and things like that. So is it biblically correct to use Isaiah, um, Isaiah 53, five, 
when praying for physical healing. Uh, let me look that up real quick. I think you're talking about by his stripes, we are healed. Uh, but I want to make sure Isaiah 53, five, just to make sure. Let's see. I don't know if you guys ever listened to, to every man and answer on, on the Christian satellite network. I just met uh, one of the pastors on to every man and answer Jeff. I think his name's pastor Jeff, really solid guy. Nice guy. I met him in Texas, spent some time with him. We exchanged contact information. Um, so yes, let's read Isaiah 53, five. Uh, I'm going to read from the English standard version. Uh, but he was pierced for our, now my phone's blocking it. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. So you know what? I might do a podcast. Thanks for a reminder on healing. Cause I was at a, at a revival tent revival, very powerful. I felt but they only focused on one aspect of healing. And maybe I'll talk about that in a minute. <clears throat> it was just, you know, have enough faith and, and cry out to God like the blind beggar. And, and you kind of leave everyone with that, that impression. They, they should better be healed or, you know, something's wrong with them. But there's a lot of things that can happen with healing. So maybe I'll talk about that. But to answer your question, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, me, meaning the sacrifice on the cross, the blood that was shed paid the price for our transgressions and our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace, our peace now, because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that peace is because of the sacrifice on the cross. And that, that, that pain, he was crushed and pierced on the cross. That brings us the peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. So how I read that is spiritual because of the context. I read that as spiritual healing. We are here. We are healed spiritually. We now have a right relationship with God. But however, in the resurrection, in the redemption process, uh, there is a certain amount of healing promises that are to the believer. For example, in James, they talk about the elders praying. And the, if, if, a, if a sickness is causing this um, illness, then repentance can restore that person. So let me just briefly share my thoughts on healing. Um, so I would say... Your question is, can we claim, can we claim that promise in Isaiah 53, five? Well, in context, I think it has to do with spiritual healing. However, if I'm praying, Lord, I, I just feel you want to heal me. It's been on my heart, Lord, and I've been fasting for it. God, please. And, and, and this cancer, whatever it is, and, and knowing that he, he, he can heal, but he might not. And, and that I'm going to get into that in a minute, but and then that verse really pops out or we're reading and it just, it just hits us like a, like a sledgehammer and, and God uses that scripture to really, um, uh, to, to minister to us, then I think we can apply Isaiah 53, five to physical healing. If God allows that scripture to come to life and say, ah, there's, there's power in the cross. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray for this healing. But no, I would say that that scripture is in context dealing with spiritual um, healing. So healing. Yes. Faith without faith, it's impossible. To please God. They were not healed because of their lack of faith their unbelief. So we see faith plays a big role. And we do know that the divisiveness or critical spirit or anger, all of that can hurt or harm our emotional state. It's even toxic to the body. It can prevent healing. That could be the bridge that's stopping the healing. And so belief and repentance can lead to a person being healed. And maybe at a crusade, a, hell, a revival, and a person feels to get up in their wheelchair and because God decides to heal them. But, but we can't just leave them with that. 
Also healing, a lot of times, did you know the majority, the vast, vast majority of the sickness and diseases we have are because of our dietary lifestyle choices? Okay, I just said it. Don't get mad at the messenger. But, you know, people want to pray for type 2 diabetes. Shane, would you pray for me for type 2 diabetes? And I believe God can heal. And he does heal in spite of anything we do. But often, since diabetes type 2 is a diet-related illness caused by overconsumption and the wrong foods and weight gain obesity, we might have to make some diet changes, lifestyle changes before we see healing in that area. So we And we can't always say there's a demon. Uh, on it. You know, there's uh, the demon of this, the demon of that. You know, we have to be careful in that area. Also, some demonic things are lead to uh, unhealthy living and can lead to sickness. Absolutely. But there's many different things. Demonic realm. Uh, what about the body? Like with mental illness, sometimes the serotonin receptors and the neurotransmitters, they're just not firing correctly. And that could just be a natural thing that you, know, you might need some help for that. It could be demonic. It could be a diet related. There's a lot of anxiety and mental issues that are definitely diet related. Sometimes people just need to be healed and, and prayed for and, and believe in that healing. So healing is, is there's a lot to it. So hope that helps. Um, let's see, how do I feel about intermittent fasting? Uh, actually, if you go to our website, westsidechristianfellowship.org, I wrote a book, Feasting and Fasting, and talk about that. Um, I, I I tend to believe that intermittent, intermittent fasting is pretty healthy. It's pretty biblical. I don't think we were designed to have a, a, a food <clears throat> everywhere on every corner. You know, there's this food, this food, this food, this food, big refrigerator, and we're just eating all the time. So intermittent fasting gives your body a break. Let's say you stop eating at six o'clock at night. It's hard because the chocolate's going to call your name. Ice cream's going to call your name, carbohydrates, but you just stop and you wait till maybe after lunch. So you get a good 20 hours in 16 to 20 hours before you eat again. So it helps with your digestive system. It helps with losing weight. It helps, um, you know, with autophagy and that's uh, where your body begins to use, um, uh, like dead tissue and, and even cancer cells for fuel. Um, but you're going to see the best benefit of fasting from water fasting. And you don't want to do intermittent fasting and then eat junk food or pig out later. You want to make sure it's, it's conducive with your lifestyle. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of intermittent fasting. Um, that's why it's called break fast breakfast. You break the fast and, um, many times a lot of people would go, you know, hours and hours and they would wait till lunch to eat and we don't have to eat whatever we, um, you know, whatever we want, whenever we want. That's when the, I believe that's when the lust of the flesh takes over. <clears throat> and as a nation, look at pictures in the 1950s while I was in Texas, I visited the Dr. Pepper museum. You know, I didn't drink any Dr. Pepper, but, um, it showed these big pictures of the 1950s. Not one person was overweight in all these big crowds. No one was. And so we've become a society of consumption. Even me, believe it or not, I've talked about this before, you know, 225 pounds, six, two, you know, people say, Oh, you're just a big guy. You know, it's good. And I, but I, my ideal weight should be about one between 170 and 190 ideal weight, you know, 30, 40 pounds overweight. I could definitely get that off. It'd be much more healthier. Uh, but you know, I might look, uh, look more skinny and things like that, but health wise, you know, which is, it's, it's, we're, we we live in an area that's, that's consum over consumption, uh, total depravity. You know, I would encourage people to listen to my podcast. Uh, if you scroll up, you can see my YouTube channel. I talk about 
I think, 40 minutes on this topic of uh, does God choose me? Do I choose him? Um, basically, what David's talking about, total depravity, it's part of the TULIP, T-U-L-I-P acronym for Calvinism, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. So man is totally depraved. We are lost without God. But it comes back to the question, but does God give man the ability then to accept or reject him? And because he gives man the ability to accept or reject him, when we reject him, we are judged because we were, we did not repent and believe. But then the Calvinists would say, you know, we're totally depraved. We can't do that. Only the quickening of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit quickens us. We are now, we now actually have the Holy Spirit. Now we can repent and believe and exercise faith. So their order of salvation is even different than what I read. I mean, I love John Piper. I love John MacArthur. I'm not a theologian. I just know God is sovereign, but man is called to believe and repent. And if I'm judged, if God commands me to do something, Call, he calls, I, I, I wish that all men everywhere would be saved. I, I want I, my call to repentance, God says, is to the whole globe. So my thought is if God calls us to repent and believe, he's given us the ability to repent and believe. That doesn't mean there's a good work inside of us just because there was a bad work inside of Adam when he rejected uh, God and he chose the evil. God, Adam chose to sin uh, and he was judged for that. Can man choose God? Now the natural man does not discern the things of the spirit. They're foolishness to him. But, um, you know, it, it, just because I don't get up and answer the door at 4 a.m., that word decamoy in that, in that scripture doesn't mean I can't get up and answer the door at 1 a.m. So the natural man is, is, is not for the things of the spirit, but it needs the work of the Holy Spirit, the quickening of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So, um, you know, like Spurgeon said, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility run like two parallel lines and where they cross, we don't know until eternity. So that's my thoughts. I believe we are depraved, totally depraved, but I don't like the, the image they give or the analogy of a, of a corpse and, Unless the Holy Spirit comes in, saves us. Now we have the Holy Spirit. Now we're alive. Now we can repent and believe. I see, I see the Bible saying repent and believe, then you receive. And so, you know, it is, it is an interesting topic, um, because, um, I think the, some of Calvinists think it's a good work. I'm just saying, Hey, if God, if God gave man the ability to accept or reject him, then to me, the whole plan of salvation would make a lot more sense because how is God going to punish billions and billions and billions of people? He's going to punish them because they didn't repent and believe, but they couldn't repent and believe because they weren't elect. And and so he's asking them to do something they actually couldn't do. So he's going to punish them for doing, not doing what they he can't do anyway. So I just, that whole concept really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I just believe in God's sovereignty. He saved John the Baptist. He filled him with the spirit in the mother's womb. He called Paul. He knocked Paul off his beast. So I believe God can... When he calls somebody, that grace is irresistible, man. He goes, God says, I want you on my team. I'm going to save you and set you free. And so he can do that as well. Uh, let's see. Um, can we lose our salvation? If you go to shaneidleman.com, you can put that title in. The article will come up. Um, I actually, this is one point I would believe with Calvinists on, on that final point, perseverance of the saints. Here's why. <clears throat> There's scriptures on both sides, right? You have total, you have, um, 
warning the Christian, warning the believer. I don't think Hebrews 6, those who have tasted, they've been enlightened, they partook. If they fall away, I think that could have described Judas Iscariot. He, he partook of the things of Christ. He was enlightened. He tasted of the things, but he didn't fully repent and believe in Christ. So I wouldn't use that verse. But so what happens is you pile the verses on. And to me, the verses about the Holy Spirit is given to you as a guarantee. A guarantee is what of what? Of your sonship that you are a child of God. The Holy Spirit is your guarantee. And he has sealed you. Why has the Holy Spirit sealed me and you? For the day of redemption. So you're sealed. The Holy Spirit is given to you as a guarantee. And I talked to a couple guys and they said, well, you can, you can undo that seal. Mm, I don't think so. When God seals us with the Holy Spirit, you're, you're sealed. Now that doesn't mean and then people say, well, that does that mean people can live however they want? Once saved, always saved. I can do whatever I want. No, that just means you were never saved because a true born again believer doesn't want to sin. They don't like the prodigal state and eating with the pigs. There's a drawing back to God and they're not going to say, well, hey, I'm saved, man. I can live however I want. No, that's a person who said a prayer and they were never really converted. And so uh, also uh, when Jesus talked about, you know, you're children of God, you're a child of God. When you repent and believe you, you can't undo that. Being born again, when a person is born again, it's a supernatural act of God, supernatural act of God. And you're now a child of God. You can't undo that. So again, I've got friends, you know, people you would know if I mentioned them, pastors that disagree with that. And I would just say we have to live like I would live like I need to hold on to Christ for sure. But I realize it's Christ holding on to me. And so uh, so, no, I don't think a person, a true, a true born again believer. I don't think they can lose and undo that sonship that they had with God, the father. Uh, let's see. Um, Diane is I'm going to try to do this more often. So um, maybe I'll announce it beforehand so you guys can be prepared with questions is perseverance. So. You're persevering. Is that the same as preserving? Preserving. So maybe you could clarify on that. I mean, the words are different. When I preserve something, you know, you preserve peaches for, for later. You know, you preserve them. You put them in a state in which they can't decay. So God preserving versus persevering is more me. It's something I have to do. I have to get back up. I have to keep fighting. Try living in California. Try being a bull pastor. Try leading a church through COVID. It, you know exactly what perseverance means. So perseverance has more to do with me. Pers uh, preserving has more to do with what God is doing, if that makes sense. Uh, let's see here. Oh, gosh. I hope that made sense. Maybe I'll share this video because a lot of these questions come up quite often. And um, I'll wait for just a minute if there's another last question, but I've got to go do some pick up my son at baseball and to start working on tomorrow's sermon or Sunday sermon as well. Uh, so many marriages struggling. Tim Ackerson. Uh, let me just tell you, man, Tim has been such a blessing to our church. Solid deacon. I uh, love him and his wife, Amy. Uh, so many marriages struggling. What encouragement would you give to anyone that's listening that may be wanting to throw in the towel? Man, that's a good question. Number one. Well, if it's the wife, I would say, listen to Morgan's testimony. Listen to Morgan's testimony, because believe it or not, she wanted to throw in the towel. Can you believe it? Um, because and, and we, she talks about a lot more. Um, but what I would say is <clears throat> you don't want to make decisions based on emotions or where you're at right now. This is challenging. This is hard. I'm going to throw in the towel. A couple thoughts. I've seen I just saw Sunday, a remarkable thing. This, this lady was filing for divorce. They were cussing at each other a couple weeks ago, and now they're at the prayer meeting. 
How's that happen? Another, I saw, I, I saw two or three marriages out there that were repaired, but I saw a couple others out there Sunday that were fractured. And so what happens is marriage, I believe is, is God's, one of God's refining tools. He breaks pride out of us. So if you're going to fight like Paul, Jesus said, Paul, why are you fighting against the goads, these sharp things? Why are you fighting against these sharp things along that were on the, the mule he was on or the beast or the horse that he was on? Why are you fighting against the goads? And always same thing in marriage. If you're going through a difficulty, humble yourself. Now, a wife could be going through a challenging situation. I, I, I just talked to somebody this week. Or last week, you know, addicted to porn, she's pregnant, he doesn't want to be the man to lead, and, and it's just everything's falling apart. So, obviously, I'm not telling her to humble herself in these things. Of course, maybe if God's convicting her, but I would say seek God with all your heart because God can do amazing things. Throwing in the towel usually is not the answer. The grass is not greener. Um, and I would say to just seek God like never before and to... Um, uh, to not throw in the towel, to give it to him, see what God wants to do during this refining process. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's challenging, but have it push you closer to the cross, not farther away from the cross. Have you, have you draw in closer to Christ, not farther away from Christ. So it can be the blessing of brokenness that can really, really restore that marriage, persevere, get that deeper relation. I, I know in my own life and Tim just posted Morgan's testimony, uh, from my own life that, um, it's through these difficult, painful, broken relationships, not necessarily marriage, but just in general, that, that really drew me closer to Christ. So what a lot of people do is they get bitter, they get upset, they don't want to go to church anymore, and they, they start to look for plan B. No, 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 God says, just wait on me, wait on me, let me let, let's see what happens with plan A. And uh, there's a lot to that, praying and fasting, uh, not, not adding to the fuel, not adding to the contention, let God change their heart. Let God change your heart. You can't text them anymore, send them flowers, be rude, yell at them, email, just let God change their heart. So um, if you're going to get involved with a ministry right before you had a disturbing dream about that ministry, how should I proceed? Hmm. Well, it depends if the, I mean, you'd have to, maybe you could, um, message us some more information, but just off the top of my head, if I have a dream about a ministry, I'm getting, actually this happened to me. Um, a couple years ago, I had a very vivid dream about a black leopard that was, it was coming in. I remember it was trying to, you know, get me out, shine the flashlight at it. And it would just move around to the side. And so, I mean, you know, when it's got so vivid, I wake up like, Whoa, what was that? And then that week, I believe it was, I don't know exactly on the timeline, but I had a Jehovah witness come over all dressed in black. And, uh, actually he's a black gentleman, all dressed in black and boy, two hours of just, I've never been more frustrated in my life. Just, you know, he's just, you know, and then that dream came back to me. Ah, okay. Okay. And I just kind of relaxed and, and understood what God was showing me. Um, so if the dream is, is you're, you're saying, Hey, if I get involved in this ministry, this is not good. It's going to take me down, maybe financially, maybe relationally, um, I, I could get hurt. I could get injured. These people could be back by if, if the dream is warning you. And we saw that with Joseph and Mary. We saw that with the wise men. Then I would, I would definitely look at that and even pray for confirmation uh, on that. But if the dream is just equipping you for this ministry, so you, you saw some disturbing things and I'm disturbed by it, but, but that's so God is equipping you to better fulfill that ministry, then that could be a good thing. So it all depends on the nature of the dream. Um, Lance Walnu just had a talk on this. Um, oh, that's 
that's cool. Uh, let's see what else. Any other questions before I go off? Um, and yeah, I would just, you know, let me just pray for those uh, watching br briefly here on marriages. Lord, we pray for marriages across this country. The enemy has his snipers out against our children and his top, top generals out against our families in these dire times. So I pray that husbands and wives who are listening are strengthened, that they just wait on you. They wait on you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, they don't, they don't rush to divorce. They don't rush to arguing. They don't rush to trying to fix a problem. God, they just take a season of stepping back and waiting on you and you begin to fill them with your Holy Spirit because they waited on you. So let's see, have, have you had a revelation through one of your dreams? I just talked about if you want to rewind just a little bit ago and I actually did a podcast. If you look at my YouTube channel, you know, I'm careful on dreams uh, because again, I love, I have the John MacArthur study Bible. I love sound, do sound doctrine. I'm a doctrine guy. But boy, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can have, you can be straight as a gun barrel theologically, but just the, just as empty if you miss the power and the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I still believe you can have sound doctrine and you can be open to dreams or visions or words of wisdom, words of knowledge. It's, it's in the Bible. And so I don't think it's weird. I think we just have to be, be careful. Amy, good to hear from you too. Any questions from a woman's perspective? So on dreams, I would encourage you to listen to that. Uh, uh, video I did our, our dream still for today. Um, but I've had, you know, it's, it's interesting, um, that God will give you actually, I, I can't really talk about it right now. I'm still praying about it. Um, I did have a dream very vivid exactly a year ago this month, March, I wrote it down. Um, I don't feel at liberty yet to talk about it. Uh, didn't really have anything to do at the church, just me on my personal life actually had to do with fasting <laughs> and, uh, how God I think was kind of convicting me in that area. And so I wanted to, I know I've been waiting a year. I guess I don't know what else I'm waiting for. Um, but have you had a revelation through one of your dreams? And I've, I've known of people that have possibly been cheating on their spouse. I know Mark Driscoll caught a lot of heat for saying he, he would have dreams of a spouse cheating on a spouse. Like, and people would say he had a pornographic dream. Uh, not necessarily. God doesn't show you necessarily the nudity and the porn, porn of it. He would show you that this man is having this wrong relationship with this woman. You don't see the details of what's happening. That wouldn't be God. That would be pornography. That wouldn't be good. But he shows you that. And then you can lovingly go and confront that person. You know, hey, brother, this has been my heart for weeks. I don't know if it's God, but I need to just lovingly share this with you. And then boom, that, that, that dream, that revelation can convict that man. It could be also that could be known as a word of wisdom, word of knowledge that God spontaneously brings something uh, to mind that can really help you. So with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you got to be very careful. Like I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, I'm conservative uh, or charismatic, but I have a seatbelt on, you know, I'm not going to get all up and down and crazy. It's not how loud we get. The Holy Spirit's here. And no, he's not in loud volume. He's in bold, humble people. And it's not dreams and visions. What are the prophets saying? It's what is Jesus Christ saying? You through you every day in his word. So I often say 90%, maybe even 99%, I would say of our direction is from the word of God, principles to live by, how to conduct ourselves. <clears throat> Everything is in the word of God. But then sometimes I need a little help. I don't know about you. Lord, is that really you? Are you calling me to pastor? Are you calling us to buy the radio stations? Are you calling us to open another campus? Are you calling me to do that? You know, I need a little help. And that's where the gifts of the Holy Spirit come in. They're gifts given to the body of Christ to help us in our walk. Uh, let's see. 
<clears throat> could dreams be given by Satan or demonic in, uh, or demons? Uh, I believe that they can plant. I believe that's how they, they attack us. It's primarily those weapons that Paul talks about. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. And um, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That Those fiery darts, I mean, they're not physical darts coming at me anyway, right? It's It's the darts hitting here. So if, if the enemy can plant, uh, I, I've just talked to a couple people this week who fell back into addiction, alcohol, we're doing good. And here come those thoughts. Oh, if I could just stop by the store, grab a cold one and relax just one or two this time, I won't get a 12 pack, just one or two. And here come those darts. See, see, that's not, that could be yourself too. I mean, maybe, but the, the demonic realm. So I think, you know, could you have it? I mean, there's not a lot of biblical examples. Uh, mainly it was the examples in the Bible of dreams are of God giving people dreams. There was a distressing spirit that, that, uh, that, that caused Saul to get upset at David. And so, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the enemy of our soul could plant thoughts in our subconscious while we're dreaming. And that's why I don't take dreams too seriously. I mean, unless it's clear, it wakes you up. It's of God. Um, you know, I remember, uh, in 2010, uh, I was just in deep sleep and, and it was like, somebody woke me up and said, let, get up, let me show you something. I'm like, I thought my wife was talking to me or somebody. I turned on the light and nobody's I'm like, wow. And so I got up, I opened the Bible and I think it was for uh, the introduction to Ezra. I'm like, what is this for? And then it said, um, God used him in his younger years to give him a heart for worship and a love for the truth and to call the nation back to him. And to me, that went off like a light. That was when God was calling me to pastor. And, and that was like, God, I believe God spoke to me that morning. Now it's time. And we planted the church that later that year. And so, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just read that and go, Oh, this must be God. Maybe I'm supposed to plant a church. Look at this, but see the Holy spirit makes the word of God come alive and it ministers to a situation you're going through, or it shows you maybe something you need to know. And so that's how really the, um, uh, the gifts of the Holy spirit work. So, um, okay. I think I got to most everything I'm going to, um, go off here right now pretty soon, unless I see a last minute one come in. And then we'll try to do this more often. Again, I don't have all the answers. I struggle with some of these same things as you, but I know if we stay focused on God's word, we stay focused on um, being filled with the Holy Spirit, getting our heart right, being repentant, broken, humble, that a lot of things will come together a lot more naturally. So anyway, I'll log on hopefully again soon, and we'll see how this format is working. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Again, my name is Luke Duncan, and I am your host of Idleman Unplugged. Thank you for listening to us today, and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Eidelman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidelman.com. Again, that's shaneidelman.com. Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. 
El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality and Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.